Throw fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 43 of the Rotor Street Journal's podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. I've been trying to think of something clever to say about the number 43. I really liked bringing up 40, you know, pouring a 40 out on the sidewalk. I like 42, the Jackie Robinson reference. I cannot think of a goddamn thing to talk to about number 43. All I can think about is that it's a prime number. Uh, I can't think of anybody that has this jersey. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a pretty lousy number. If you can think of any 43 references that I should be thinking of, please send them our way. Uh, and with me, of course, you know, if you'll excuse that early episode rant, the Wolf of Rota Street himself. How you doing, Wolf? I'm doing actually pretty awful. I can't even think of the words to say other than just horrendous, awful, coming off literally the most embarrassing performance of my entire life, fantasy-wise, and maybe just ever. Just I've never been just so friggin' fucking awfully embarrassed than what I just did this Sunday. Well, do tell. Completely What's going on? What's going on? Oh, man. I So, you know, sometimes you have like the bi-week excuses. Sometimes there's like a shocking inactive or an early injury or something like that, and your team just puts up a complete dud. Well, my team didn't have any excuses. It literally – everyone played every single minute. I didn't have any threatening buys, anything major, and I put up an abysmal ten, – 10 people are starting in this, uh, this roster, so 12-teamer, half PPR, uh, 10 spots – I put up 67 points, 67.2 points. That, that's for terrible. Fantasy. For 10 players? That's, for 10 players with PPR, half PPR settings, I mean, I, I just almost want to look down my roster and just completely shit on every single one of them. It's absolutely awful. Who, if you had to point at one or two players that, that are going to really become targets of your fury based on this uh, week, who would they be? Well, I mean— we started the topic, like Jared Goff's the only guy that somewhat mildly showed up with 18 points. Nobody else reached double digits after that. It was absolutely disgusting. Pierre Garçon, the target monster, a nice robust 7.4 on seven targets, five receptions, 49 yards. And that's my second highest score of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue down the list with Demarius Thomas. Oh, Are you kidding me? I think me? he had two for nine. Two for nine. And a joke, completely embarrassing, disgusting. Player of the week from the Wolf here, real genius one, Jordan Matthews, stud, bold prediction. He's going to come out and roast the Tampa Bay defense. Nice, solid, two receptions for 10 yards, really doing it for me. And not to be outdone, Ty Montgomery, a nice two points. Didn't want to get outscored by Jordan Matthews, so he made sure to stay nice and low and in the basement. Absolutely disgusting. Ayaji, another healthy workload, 23 touches. that He was able to, what, get in 51? yards on awesome Ayaji thanks for that it's almost almost two and a half yards of carry oh and let's not even begin with Dan Bailey a kicker injures himself I think he got hurt right quarter of a game how does a kicker get hurt how does a kicker and the sad thing is they put up they put up like 40 points so like he would have he would have like scored a lot 
<laughs> I know. I needed I needed every single point I could get. I mean, obviously I made some bonehead decisions. I benched Keenan Allen for Jordan Matthews, but look, yeah, Keenan Allen, real great play, five point six. I really spared myself the three point four points. Although when you look at it, three point four points would have at least got me to seventy, and I feel like seventies at least a little 70s bit. Seventies like, where you're talking about this is a bad game, but it's not like historically bad. No, if you go under 70 and you don't have like bye week, you should never go under 70 with bye weeks, with inactive, with whatever. I literally, a guy I faced didn't start three people and I still would have lost to him. That's how bad it was. Like, it, it, this is just a joke. It's abysmal. I've never been so embarrassed. And I've done some pretty horrific and disgusting things in my lifetime, especially during my college years. This is as bad and sad and as And this gets. is, it, and it, to be clear, you know, I mean, obviously we give each other a lot of hell about the Rotor Street Journal League. You had a couple bad weeks to start that season, but this is your this is like your hometown league. This is your main league you're talking about. Uh, over um, ten years, yeah, so yeah. much pride. Ten years in the line, I was facing my bitterest rival. Just awful, just awful, 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 disgusting. Scene. I am in a similar situation. I'm doing pretty well in the RSJ league. I, I redeemed myself this week. I'm up to five and two, but I'm now three and four in in my most important league, and it was brutal. I mean, I, I made boneheaded. Coaching decisions. I, I didn't start Derek Carr, for instance, um, which, you know, who, who, who needs those 417 passing yards? I sure didn't. No, um, of course yeah, not. And I just and and OK, and you're going to laugh in my face and I deserve this. But <laughs> I had DeAndre Hopkins on by and I had, uh, you know, a situation where I was like, OK, I, I need a flex play. And I still got Eric Decker sitting on my bench, and he's playing. Oh, and he's playing oh. Cleveland. He's playing Cleveland. He's coming off his best game of the year. Oh. Zero. 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 You got Deckard again. I, dude? I mean, I never thought I'd get Deckard again because I never thought I'd play him. But here I am. You know, <laughs> I need a player. He's sitting there. I'm not going to roll out Tyrell Williams. And I'm oh. like, you know what, Eric Decker against Cleveland? That actually sounds okay. I could convince oh. myself in that. So anyway, I, I've I have traded Decker since that. Like he's no longer on my team. Who who traded for Decker? Was it Johnny Goodtimes? So, no, not Johnny Goodtimes. It, it was Mikey Nunn actually, and it's some somebody else that is equally infuriating to them. We we swapped because we had two guys that neither one of us wanted on our team anymore, and we just they traded. just need a change of scenery, right? Yep. Who did who did you get? Martavis Bryant. I mean, I'd much rather have Martavis. Yeah, Bryant I would too, 100%. but they're both garbage. Let's be honest. They're, what if he, they're garbage. Martavis Bryant had one catch for three yards, and he's like one more get, than Decker. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, and Martavis, what if he gets traded? Like, there's at least a scenario where Martavis comes into some sort of value. Decker just needs to just get off the face of the earth. He's awful. Well, anyway, I don't see either one of us scoring big on this trade. But I'm no. I'm glad to have that asshole off my team. Like seriously, uh, it's a cathartic experience at this yeah. point. Just so much shit and piss and the entire girdle and of everyone on my team. Games like you're talking about uh, are, are brutal to sit through when you when you're just watching your players because you know you you refresh your fantasy app a million times and it's like you're just they're not moving. It's like <laughs> oh he was at three and a half before and now he's at four. Okay, it's like right. you're, there's no big plays and you're just and you can tell like maybe an hour into the into Sunday that you're going to lose and it's just going to be brutal and you just want to kill yourself. And uh, it's awful. And so anyway, uh, I thought it was a pretty shitty week of football, to be honest. Like I, well, I, I've really to... enjoyed a lot of the Sundays this year. I thought this was a bad week of football and we're going to talk about this. I mean, there are, there are some exceptions. I thought the Thursday game was great between the Raiders and the Chiefs. But mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of duds, and we are actually going to do the week seven rundown. Now, last week we did week six and five, but it was really like week six and 15. So uh, this one, I think we've at least cut it in half. 
I think we're going we go. to shoot for week seven and seven. But we'll see. Uh, don't, don't let's go for ten. Let's set the bar at least. I mean, we said well, five seven and, and one seven for like would be so cool, left. though. It would be pretty badass if we can pull it off. Let's not say we can't do it, but I don't. I won't say we advertise it as week seven and seven. All right. Week seven and eight and, and ten. A half. <laughs> I'm setting the bar at ten. We'll All right, see. Fair enough. We're definitely going to do it in ten. All right. We'll yes. be right back after this with the week seven rundown. All right, we are back. We're about to hit the week seven, not in seven, but conservatively 10 rundown. Um, well, if you got it on the agenda, can you see what's going on here? I want to make sure that you're part of this. We're ready to go, baby. All right, you ready? Let's let it right, rip. Three. Two, oh, should we do it? We should do a timer. Totally. You I got, got you the got timer. timer. Okay, ready? I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, and hit it. Oakland 31, Kansas City 30. Alex Smith and Derek Carr, he's through for three TDs as well as over 300 yards in the air. Kareem Hunt had a good but not great 87 yards on the ground and another 30 yards receiving. Marshawn Lynch had a very short night after pushing an official. Travis Kelsey and Michael Crabtree both found the end zone. Tyreek Hill had a huge day, six for a buck 25 and a score. The standout stat of the game was without question Amari Cooper, who returned from the dead and was targeted 19 times, going 11 for 210 yards and two touchdowns. New Orleans 26 and Green Bay 17. Drew Brees threw for over 300 yards, a touchdown and two picks, and he added another score running, believe it or not, while the Brett Hundley of the Aaron Rodgers Packers failed to crack 100 yards passing. Hundley and Aaron Jones both scored on the ground, however, with Jones putting up an impressive 17 for 131-yard stat line. For the Saints, Mark Ingram ran 22 times for 105 yards and a score, while Ted Ginn Jr. and Mike Thomas each had seven catches, with Ginn going for over 142 yards. The most any Packers player received for was 17 yards as fantasy owners everywhere panic. Los Angeles Chargers 21, Denver 0. Philip Rivers threw for a forgettable 183 yards, although he did notch two touchdown passes, while Trevor Simeon barely cracked 200 yards and he got picked off. Neither team could run the ball. Melvin Gordon ran for 38, and C.J. Anderson went for 44. Demarius Thomas disappeared, catching two balls for nine yards. For the Chargers, Keenan Allen had three for 41. Hunter Henry had four for 73, and Travis Benjamin scored a 42-yard touchdown. It cannot be overstated what a terrible, terrible display by the Broncos' offense this was. This is next-level awful stuff. Buffalo 30, Tampa Bay 27. Jameis Winston threw for 384, three TDs and a pick, while Tyrod Taylor threw for 268 and a score, adding 53 yards on the ground. Rashawn McCoy ran for 91 yards and two touchdowns to go along with five catches for 31, while Doug Martin disappointed, running 20 times for only 49. Receiving the Bucks got serious production from O.J. Howard, 6 for 98 and 2 TDs, and Mike Evans, 7 for 88 and a score. Deshaun Jackson and Cameron Bray also had decent receiving games, going for 73 and 60 yards respectively. Chicago 17, Carolina 3. From fantasy perspective, I have every right to skip this game as not a single offensive touchdown was scored. The Bears' defense scored twice, and each kicker had a meaningless field goal in this pathetic excuse for a game. Cam Newton threw for 211 and ran for 50 and he got picked off twice. Mitch Trubisky barely exceeded 100 yards for the Bears. Jordan Howard ran the ball 21 times for 65 yards. Tariq Cohen got one touch on the day and took it for a 70-yard reception. Kelvin Benjamin had three catches for 65. Christian McCaffrey had seven catches, but only for 36 yards. If you watched this game, you were worse off for it. Tennessee 12 and Cleveland 9 and OT. But here's the thing. This game was even worse than the last one. 
Marcus Mariota threw for 208 yards and no scores. DeMarco Murray rushed for 59 and no scores. And Delaney Walker had seven catches for 63 and, guess it, no scores. The dynamic duo of Deshaun Kaiser and Cody Kessler each passed for a little over 100 yards with no scores. Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson combined for about 60 yards rushing with no scores. And Johnson added six catches for 45 yards through the air with no scores. The fact that this crowd was treated to an overtime would be like if you had to serve 10 years in prison, thought you were getting out tomorrow, and then they told you that you had to do two more. It's a wonder <laughs> they didn't riot. Jacksonville 27, Indianapolis 0, and the stinkers just keep on coming. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett was terrible, while Blake Bortles looked like he was playing in London, throwing for 330 yards and a touchdown against a Colts defense that is undoubtedly ashamed of themselves today. Frank Gore paced the Colts rushing attack, if you can call it that, with a whopping 34 yards, while there was a legitimate TJ Yeldon sighting for the Jags, as Yeldon ran nine times for 122 yards and a touchdown, a staggering 13 and a half yards a carry. Chris Ivory added 47 yards and a score on the ground for the Jaguars. Alan Earns had five catches for 105 yards, leading Jacksonville, while Jack the Beanstalk Doyle had six grabs for 44, leading the hapless Colts. Los Angeles Rams 33, Arizona 0. Just when you think you've heard the last terrible game of the week, the Rams and the Cardinals show up. Carson Palmer suffered a broken arm that could well signal the end of his career and what would, could almost be considered a mercy killing. On the other side, Jared Goff had a respectable 235 yards, a touchdown and a pick in the air, and he added a score on the ground. The Adrian Peterson renaissance is over after a week as the rejuvenated AP ran 11 times for 21 yards. Disgusting. His young counterpart, Todd Gurley, in contrast, ran for 106 in a touchdown and tacked on four catches for 48 yards. Larry Fitz was held to three catches for 29 yards for the Cardinals, while Rams Cooper Cup tallied four balls, 51 yards, and a score while leading the team with 10 targets. Miami 31, the New York Jets 28. Dolphins fans had two big reasons to celebrate Sunday as the Dolphins pulled off a come-from-behind win over the very game Jets, and second, Jay Cutler was injured in the process. Matt Moore came in and passed for 188 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick for the Dolphins. Josh McCown had 209 yards, three scores, and a pick for the Jets. Jay Ayaji, for the second time this year, did nothing on the ground against the Jets, amassing 51 yards. But the New York backfield was just as bad with Bilal Powell rushing for 43, although he did add 40 yards receiving. Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, and Austin Safarian Jenkins all scored touchdowns for the Jets. Jarvis Landry caught seven for 93 and a score, and Kenny Stills had six catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns for the Dolphins. Minnesota 24 and Baltimore 16. Case Keenum and Joe Flacco were both fantasy awful in this game with neither reaching 200 yards on the day. Alex Collins led the Ravens in rushing with a miserable 30 yards, while Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon split the carries for the Vikings for the second week in a row. Murray getting the best of it, going for 113 yards and a TD. Stephon Diggs was out for the second straight week. Adam Thielen dominated the targets with 12 as he and Kyle Rudolph each pulled in five catches. Dallas 40, San Francisco 10. Dak Prescott had a business-like 234 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks day passing, while the C.J. Beathard, or Bethard, <laughs> era got off to a dubious start in the Bay Area. Ezekiel Elliott managing to stay one step ahead of his impending suspension yet again, blew up on the ground for 147 yards and two touchdowns and had one catch that happened to go for 72 yards and yet another score. Carlos Hyde is still holding on to his starting job but only managed 68 yards rushing. Des Bryant added seven catches for 63 yards and a touchdown, and the ageless Jason Witten found the end zone as well in a dominant performance from the Cowboys. Seattle 24, New York Giants 7. Russell Wilson looked great against the sometimes tricky Giants secondary, passing for 334 yards and three touchdowns, while Eli Manning looked predictably abysmal. 
passing for 134 yards with one touchdown. Neither team could run the ball, so we'll skip the running backs, but Evan Ingram had six catches for 60 yards and a Giants lone touchdown, while Doug Baldwin had nine catches, 92 yards, and a score. Jimmy Graham had three catches for 51 and a score, and Paul Richardson also added a receiving touchdown for the Seahawks. Pittsburgh 29, Cincinnati 14. Ben Roethlisberger threw touchdowns, two touchdowns for the Steelers, and Andy Dalton had a couple to go along with his two picks for the Bengals in a game largely dominated on the ground by Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell got an absurd 38 touches, which he turned into 134 on the ground and another 58 in the air. The new bell cow for the Bengals, Joe Mixon, led the team with a pathetic seven carries. A.J. Green was totally held in check, catching only three balls for 41 yards. And for the Steelers, Antonio Brown had four catches for 65 yards and a score. Juju Smith-Schuster added a score for the Steelers, and Martavis Bryant was frozen out of the offense yet again, recording one catch for three yards, prompting him to make it known once again that he wants out of Pittsburgh ASAP. New England 23, Atlanta 7. Tom Brady passed for 249 yards and two scores, and Matt Ryan threw for 233 and a touchdown in a Super Bowl rematch that did not live up to the hype. Deion Lewis led a four-headed Patriots backfield with 76 yards, while Devonta Freeman ran for 72 on the other side. Julio Jones had nine catches for 99 yards and finally found the end zone for the Falcons, while Brandon Cooks and James White both scored for the Pats. In addition, Rob Gronkowski had three catches for 51 yards, and Mohamed Sanu had six catches for 65. Don't look now, but the Falcons are a few breaks from being 1-5 this year. It seems like a lot more than a Super Bowl hangover at this point. And that's going to do it. How do we do, Wolf? Uh, timed in just at 8.05, so under right. 10. Okay. Like you predicted, right around 8. We're getting there. Okay. Not bad. Not Good bad stuff. at all. All right, folks, that's the week in about eight minutes. Uh, of course, we've got Monday night coming up tonight. What's the Monday night game? We got uh, Philadelphia Washington. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to be a great one. Big shootout coming. Uh, you know, two exciting offenses and a divisional showdown. So I'm really looking forward to this Monday night game. Who do you like? Uh, I'm going. I'm going Eagles. I think the Eagles are very legit, and I think Peterson is a much better coach than I would have given him credit for coming into the year. I mean, you realize the Eagles win this game, you can make a legitimate case they're the best team in football, which just seems. Crazy. Weird. (laughs) Right. That's what I would say. Um, So, yeah, I'm also picking the Eagles. I really hate Washington just from a personal point of view. So I I hope the Eagles win it. Um, And I think they probably will. But I do expect the game to be competitive. I'm going to say the Eagles maybe 27-23, something like that. Okay. We will be right back after this. All right, we are back. Now, we're going to go a little more in-depth into, I mean, you know, our eight-minute rundown. There are a few stories that are worth, you know, looking into a lot closer, kind of deep diving. We're looking for a name for this segment because it's going to be a regular thing. Uh, the Wolf just came up with the brilliant teen advice show sounding, uh, <laughs> looking back to look forward with your host. <laughs> anyway, um, right. <laughs> we, we, we might go with something like that. Uh, if you have any nice 80s talk show uh, kind of soft music that you can play, Nate, that might be good. But we don't want it over the whole segment. It's just uh, it's a funny thing. If you guys can come up with an idea for what to call this thing, let us know. We are highly open to suggestions. We're, we're very... Uh, what's the word when, you, when you're... Oh, what's the word when you... Uh, follow people too easily susceptible yeah we're highly susceptible mm-hmm. to you know advice from other people yeah, yeah. We're, we're 
We're people. We're kind of sheep right now. We talk about being wolves all the time, but right now we're a little sheep. We're you know, sheepish we want, right want now. Some follow for a title, but the the goal of the segment is like you mentioned. We just flew through all the important stats, got it all on your radar, so you know exactly what everyone of relevance did. But there's definitely some storylines that mean a lot more moving forward. So we're gonna just dive into the, those five or six ones that are gonna really inform. And, and I want to take the second to actually you know pump my big board. Gonna be coming out Wednesday, Thursday at the latest, but I think I might be getting a little <clears throat> cold to take a day off and make sure I get it done on Wednesday. So might be coming down with a little, little case of the sniffles and have to miss Wednesday of work so I can get this thing done. Um, but I, every week I want to have a new big board and then just kind of reflect on the, the five or six storylines from that week that really are going to inform the biggest changes. So as we were running down those, you know, that quick eight minutes, I kind of was typing names that caught my eye and, and stats that I think are going to be really important moving forward. And we're just going to break those down with a little more depth and not as much time limit or, or structure as we had been. So that's the, that's the vibe of the segment. If you got an idea for a name, let us know. And the biggest story to me, it was covered in the very first game, the Thursday game, and that's, of course, Amari Cooper. And what are we supposed to think about this guy moving forward? Just, of course, a little bit of background. He has been abysmal. I mean, just absolutely terrible up until this game. I mean, he was ranked, you know, in the bottom 10% of all qualified receivers. The guy drops the ball like crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Just not getting many catches. I mean, just just forgettable game after forgettable game. And this is for a guy that in a lot of leagues was like a second-round pick. Um, of course, this week he got targeted 19 times. That, I mean, that's that's so many targets. It's ridiculous. And he got 11 catches, including a lot of yards after the catch. Goes for over 200 yards, two scores. Uh, and what are you supposed to do with this information, dude? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's important to note. Obviously, it was and not necessarily a squeaky wheel getting greased because he wasn't complaining. He was just sucking. But the team was clearly committed to getting him out of this funk. They recognize and, and I got to give Grant Cohen credit. He said this is one of their best talents, and you know they're going to force feed him and try to get him out of this funk. He predicted it. Uh, so you know that's exactly what happened. Nineteen targets, like you said, is absurd. The thing was, is as good as his day was, as monstrous as it was, like over forty fantasy points, he left about seventy, eighty yards on the table with some horrible like drops yeah, at him he right still now. Had- drops like he, he still, still like got drops. like the worst hands in the NFL <laughs> yeah absolutely so it, it's really tough to know what to do moving forward I mean his value certainly isn't going to be as high as it like this is as high as it will ever be this is going to be the biggest game he has all year if not of his career I mean it's an unbelievable sure. effort that being said, I feel like a lot of people are going to like know you're trying to sell high if you try to trade him right yeah. now. It's like, oh, he's just trying to capitalize me, and you still might end up getting lowballed. Now, I look forward at his schedule, too. Buffalo and Miami these next two weeks aren't great matchups. 22 for Buffalo, 18 in terms of fantasy points allowed versus Miami. Then he gets a bye week. After that bye week, though, it's it's pure cake. He has New England, which is obviously a joke. We just saw Julio Jones dominate them and just receiver after receiver dominate them all year. Gets two tough ones in a row, Denver and New York, but then Kansas City, who he just bombed for 210. Then he gets Dallas, who's god-awful. And then he gets Philly in the, the week 16. So that fantasy playoff schedule, Kansas City, Dallas, Philly, all bottom eight teams surrendering the eighth most points to receivers or more. That's a, that's as juicy of a fantasy playoff schedule as you can get. So obviously that means a lot for Michael Crabtree as well, who's just a lot safer and sturdy. I'd much rather have Crabtree moving forward. But I'm not necessarily selling 
Cooper with those type of juicy matchups on the horizon, with people knowing you're going to try to be selling high and trying to buy low on him because of that, I think I'm holding at this point. He's definitely getting bumped up a few spots on the big board, but I'm also not saying now he's back as a wide receiver one that you can trust every week either. He's just certainly going to go more into that wide receiver 20, 25 range, I'd say, moving forward for me. We'll see exactly come Wednesday where I slot him in, but that's certainly one of the biggest storylines for sure. I mean, I think that Cooper, if you've got him on your team, you're glad you've got him. I mean, he's he's an asset. He's finally put up. I don't see you getting much value for Cooper, like you said. I don't think you're going to be able to flip this guy and and make much of an impact. You'd have to see more big games out of him than this because you, you try to put him on the market now. It just reeks of a guy that kind of everyone knows sucks, and then he had that one big game you've been waiting for. Now, I don't put Cooper in that category. I don't think he sucks. I think he's a talent. I think he's going to produce. I don't think he's a guy that, you, that you're going to get much for this week. So hang on to him. Just be glad you got him. Um, and also, you notice at the end of the game when they had like there's like four plays to end the game or something all untimed. You saw who they were going for. They were going Crab for Crabtree. Like right, yep, they threw exactly. for him like three out of the four plays or something like that. And it's like there, Cooper's great. You can tell like they know if they're in the red zone and they can, they're throwing to Crabtree. Yeah, clutch situation. They know who they trust and they know who they're going to. I would say with Cooper too, just the way Derek Carr dominated and you know his back's fully recovered at this point and fully healthy, that can only be considered a positive as well. So I really do. I think Cooper, you definitely hold on to him at this point. I'm not selling him high unless somebody is genuinely buying him after that game at that high price because I do think the inconsistency is still a risk. He's always been inconsistent throughout his career though. You knew you were getting that if you were buying him. I think the matchups down the stretch are just too juicy to pass up with him. Agreed. Let's talk about the Cardinals. This is a train wreck of a football team right here. Awful. And I mean, and I know that we're only one week removed from them having a, a breakout game where AP went there and had, uh, you know, a, a great running game, like put up like 130, 140 yards, something like that. Uh, they were they were terrible. This was one of the worst performances I've seen all year. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, 27 nothing, 25 nothing, 24 nothing, whatever at halftime. The Cardinals were never in this game in any respect. They had nothing going on. They couldn't run. They couldn't pass. Carson Palmer got his arm broken. Uh, this, I said it in the rundown, or I wrote it in the rundown, this might be the end of his career. I mean that. I, I think this actually might be the end of his career. Um, mercifully, almost. I think it's mm-hmm. time for him to go. This is, you know... The, the Cardinals need need to rebuild, and I, I mean, th- I think you can put this season on ice for the Cardinals. Absolutely. What do you think? I I agree 100% with all that assessment. So now fantasy-wise, I think you can kind of put the fantasy players on ice yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think Adrian Peterson clearly came back down to earth. I know when we were chatting about him last time, it was like, yeah, he had this monster game, but he kind of looked slow and sluggish doing it. It wasn't like this big explosive guy suddenly is back and it's old AP. It was just like these holes are massive and And he's he's shown good vision. But it wasn't like, oh, this is a special talent right now doing this. Um, And then you look at the rest of the schedule. Without Carson Palmer, they're they're facing Jacksonville, Los Angeles again, who they just got destroyed by. Washington, who's sporting a top three secondary. The Giants in the fantasy playoff week 16, the fantasy championship. So, I mean, down the stretch, there's really only two out of seven matchups that are – on paper, good matchups. And then when you fit factoring the Drew Stanton effect, it's even worse. So I hope they turn it over actually 
addition to Blaine Gabbert, who looked okay in the preseason. I know that's still god-awful that Blaine Gabbert's your top hope for any type of relevancy here. But I think the offense will move a lot better if they do that. Still, Larry Fitzgerald, you got to consider his value pretty much erased at this point. The number two receivers already were a quagmire that you shouldn't have been depending on anyways. And then Adrian Peterson, I think, just kind of showed us his true colors this week, 11 for 21. How could you go out and trust him again? Yeah, he blew up. He might have one or two more big games. Maybe they're going to lean on him even further. But that line is horrible. It's just, like you said, I think everything on Cardinals, fantasy-wise, real-life-wise, has to be put on ice. If somebody's buying Larry Fitz or anybody for a decent price, I would sell him, but I doubt anyone's going to be trying to at this point. No, I agree completely. Let's talk about the Packers. Similar possible situation, not quite as dire straits as the Cardinals, but let's think about what's going on here. Aaron Rodgers, probably out for the year, certainly out for almost all the year, if not the entire year. In Vegas, the Packers line moved something like uh, against the Saints, like they would have been favored by six or something at Lambeau. And without Rodgers, they were like four-point underdogs, which is literally, and I'm not making this up, this is the, the biggest impact one player has like ever had on an NFL spread. Like he's valued at like 10, 10 and a half points. And yeah. you you could see it. I mean, you could totally see it. It's like the Packers without this guy. I mean, you look at the receivers on the Packers. You got Jordy Nelson. You got Devontae Adams. You got Randall Cobb. Worthless. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. I think none of them had more than like 20, 25 yards. Jordy had like one catch for like 15 yards or something like that. Um, Aaron Jones looks great. And Hundley looks like he can run the ball, but not really pass it. And I mean, they lost to the Saints at home. What do you think about the Packers players moving forward? Let's talk Hundley, but then let's also talk about these guys that had a lot of value with Rodgers that now like I'm wondering, you know, how much value does a Jordy Nelson have moving forward? Right. I mean, like you said, this is certainly not the situation you want to be in uh, as a owner of any type of Packers outside of Aaron Jones. I think this is huge for him. Clearly, they're going to try to be pounding the rock and lean on the run game. A la a couple years ago, if you remember Eddie Lacy, when he was actually somewhat of a normal human and not a fat blob, a complete job of the hut shit. You know, Eddie Lacy was leaned on very heavily when Rodgers went down and they went to the backup quarterback 20, 25, even 30 carry days, which is unheard of for the Packers. Packers, a very pass-centric attack, when they have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, makes sense. But Mike McCarthy does come from some very heavy running roots and loves, you know, pounding the rock and just he's gotten away from it, obviously, with his best talent at quarterback. I think we're going to see a very run-centric game plan moving forward after the bye. They have the bye this week, a chance to kind of retool everything, kind of get everything in order for Brett Hundley and what they're going to do moving forward with him. I'd expect it to be very, very run-heavy with Aaron Jones. I think you're going to get a solid low-end RB1 definitely high-end RB2 moving forward if you have him because he's the clear guy. He's the I mean, he had 17 carries to what, Montgomery's two or three? Yeah. Clearly out-snapped him. Uh, Montgomery's been just a far less – far inferior runner on the season. So we know Montgomery at this point, is his value is just completely shot. I own him universally, which is brutal. I've never had somebody go from like a bonafide RB1 every week, top five, top six play to just useless that fast. It's, is, it's is he droppable? Ah, oh, man. Like, I mean, my team, <laughs> it's hard. Because, I mean, what if Jones goes down or they come out of the bye and it's like a committee? I wouldn't drop him yet. But if he has another game like that, 
then it's certainly, depending on how shallow or what's out there, certainly worth considering dropping Montgomery. I'm not going to drop him until after the buy, until I see what the retooled offense looks like. But this is definitely the Aaron Jones show moving forward. In terms of the receivers, you can't, like you said, nobody went over 20 yards on the receiving core. That can't feel good. Now, I imagine, again, the, the bye week, they're going to have a week to scheme, kind of tailor the offense to Hunley's strengths, which would be rolling out. He's not a pocket passer. He's Bring not in Colin Kaepernick. Maybe they sign. I don't yeah, know. There's no way. <laughs> McCarthy is very, very stern about not signing him and how he's you know all in on this guy he's been able to develop for three years. It certainly didn't look like he's been developed for three years, but there's upside. Hunley has the big arm. He's got the mobility. Now he just needs kind of a week to get it together. They need a week to tailor it to his, his strengths, and I don't think it's time to panic, at least on guys like Jordy, who is such a good talent. When you got a guy that's mobile and can buy you time, I think Jordy will be okay. Devontae Adams will be okay. I am worried much more about uh, Randall Cobb. And when I say okay, that that mean, doesn't mean they're the same value or even close to the same value they were with Rodgers. I'd say Jordy, you got to consider like a lower end wide receiver two at this point. Devontae Adams more of a three, and then Cobb just at, at this point could be droppable. It's not a guy that has good short game accuracy and likes those quick throws. If anyone's going to have value on a week to week basis, it would be a big play guy like Jordy or Devontae Adams getting deep while Hunley rolls out and buys time. Uh, I'm not going to you know, go out and say that the season's over for these guys, but it's certainly obvious. I mean, it's obvious, but it's going to hurt them more than I think I was originally anticipating to. You think the Packers are out of the playoffs? Ah, uh, well, I mean, what's the record? I, I haven't even really paid attention. I think to, like, that, that they are now, I think that they are now four and three. And obviously moving forward with Hunley with some tough matchups on the, the schedule. They got Detroit, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. They got Detroit and Minnesota both in their division. Yeah. I think they're, I I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Without Rodgers, that's not looking too good. Yeah, and you got to – I mean this – I genuinely think that this is along the lines of Derek Carr last year. This is the probably the most valuable guy in football. I mean, like you, this team could stand to lose him worse than. I mean, they're they suck now. <laughs> they were they're like bad. they were like maybe the best team in the NFC before he got hurt, and right. now they suck. Right? It's kind of like what happened with Ty Montgomery, RB one to droppable. Um, right. I, I think McCarthy is a creative enough offensive mind that he might be able to scheme up some sort of. Uh, a game plan that fits Hunley's strengths and keeps them competitive. Again, when they lost Rodgers a few years ago, they just gr- grinded it out with Lacey and still were winning games. So I, I think Aaron Jones, again, that value shot up huge, and you can trust him uh, very, very significantly moving forward. And I don't think the passing games are going to be completely abysmal. I think th- I'm interested to see what they look like. That That's going to be one of the biggest storylines of Week 9, um, when they come off a of buy, is what does this offense look like, and is there any hope left? Because that that's certainly a nerve-wracking situation right now. All right, let's talk about the Vikings' backfield. So obviously we've got Latavius Murray. I mean, we had Dalvin Cook, who I mean, everything there was no problems when Dalvin Cook was around. Uh, life then, was all roses, man. Latavius Murray, and then we got Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, seemed like Murray was the guy initially. Then it was like, oh, McKinnon's coming in. He's getting these receiving yards. He's running the ball well. Last week, they, they basically split carries with McKinnon getting the better of it, uh, stat-wise, finding the end zone, getting more yards. This week, they split the carries again. Murray gets the better of it, gets more yards, gets a touchdown. Th- their carries are within a couple of each other every week. This this seems like a 50-50 committee, platoon, whatever you want to call it, backfield. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think that was overshadowed because of how productive McKinnon had been in his first two weeks, vastly outgaining Latavius Murray. It seemed like it was the McKinnon show. He was used in more creative ways, especially in the receiving game. Game flow helped him out with him getting down against the Packers and things early, so he was getting a lot of dump offs. Uh, but when they have a lead and they they have to just bleed some clock as they did against the Ravens this week, it was clearly more favoring Latavius Murray. And regardless, like you said, it's been a near even split that was just kind of over shadowed by the production. This was Murray's week to roll. He clearly took advantage of it and reminded owners that this is a committee, in fact. So I think you got to, moving forward, he gets a nice little bump up in terms of, yeah, he still got some explosiveness. He ripped off a nice 35-yard or a 31-yard touchdown, just ripping chunk play after chunk play, averaging 6.27 yards a carry this week. So he's available in 60% or more leads wow. right now. A lot of people dropped him off of those first two duds. If if you want, just make sure you check your waivers and see if he's still out there because I do think it's going to be unpredictable. Like you said, it's a 50-50 split, and that never means that you can know week to week who's going to be that main guy and who's going to produce better than the other. But during bye week hell, which these next two weeks, we have 12 teams on bye between the next two weeks, six teams each week. You're going to want a guy that's getting 14 touches regardless of whether or not you know who's going to get the more productive ones. 14 touches is comforting. It's like a nice little blanket during these soft, cold bye weeks. It's more than 14, too. You're looking at 14, 15 on the ground. And, I mean, and you know, they're both – especially McKinnon catching a couple of passes. I think you're looking at like a 16 to 18 touch. I don't want to say guarantee. There's no guarantees. But I think either one of those guys, you're getting those touches. And like you said, that's a comforting thing when you're trying to fill a roster spot in a, in a like kind of like thin week. Yeah, I would say moving forward, McKinnon, still I'd rather own McKinnon out of the, the options. He's more explosive, used more creatively. Uh, but going into the week, I was kind of in the mindset that McKinnon's going to start distancing himself. He's more of the Dalvin Cook type of talent that they can be more versatile as a whole group. And and they won't have to, you know, give a, give away their hand necessarily by having McKinnon. They can run it up the gut or they can throw the ball. Um, but then the, this just reminded us that, no, that's not the case. He isn't distancing himself. It's going to be a committee. And some weeks, just McKinnon's not going to be what you, you were expecting. He had two 20-point games and now a 7.1. So still not bad. Seven points were okay. But you got to definitely lower him, whereas I was thinking Dalvin Cook light, maybe a high-end RB2. Nah. Much more of like Dalvin a Dalvin Cook ultra two. light. Right, ultra, ultra light. You know, Dalvin Cook zero, the Coke zero shit. Like right. it. I would say, you know, a lower end RB2. I'm not mad if I'm starting McKinnon, especially when I look at my own fucking backfields in some leagues. But, uh, you know, I certainly thought he was approaching lower end RB1 status going into the week. And this just was a, a big reminder that, no, that's not the case. Murray's still here. Murray, I view, is more of a flex option. And and like we said, a, a bye week kind of safety blanket for 14, 15 touches. That's how I'd kind of view those two moving forward, I'd say. All right, let's go to the Dolphins. Um, you know, they always talk about the 70 two Dolphins popping the champagne every year like when the Patriots lost in that Super Bowl to the Giants of course that's the most (laughs) sketched out they've been they popped the champagne because they're the only undefeated team in the history of the NFL Um, you got to think even though they've already popped the champagne this year because no one's undefeated there was probably like a little like auxiliary bottle that they popped when Jay Cutler got hurt Um, (laughs) probably every everybody probably pretty pleased with that development what a shitty quarterback um, oh, he's and, so bad. and I mean, I don't want to be one of these guys that's like, I, I, I could have told you from day one of the season. I thought that he would actually be a serviceable 
fill in for this Dolphins team. I really did. I thought he would be okay. I wasn't like drinking the Jay Cutler Kool-Aid or anything, but I thought he'd be fine. Um, right. He's been so not fine. I mean, right. like, he is so bad. Like the, the yards per attempt for him or something, I'll, I'll get it wrong, I feel like, but it's something like four and a half yards per attempt or something. Mm-hmm. Something abysmal. Um, his completion percentage is just in the fucking toilet. I mean, like below yep. 50% um, two games ago. Uh, meanwhile, Matt Moore, in like the games that he played before he got hurt um, in the playoffs last year, was completing like 75, 80% of his passes. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's I know he got picked off three times in the playoffs. And so that's probably the thing that a lot of people remember about Matt Moore. He's not bad, though. No, I don't think so at all. And he came in, you know, racked up 188 yards in a half of action. So the guy can clearly get the ball moving and get the the ball into his playmaker's hands and let them do their thing. Jarvis Landry in particular has always thrived with Matt Moore, had like a 14 catch day last year with him, had a big second half. Uh, to to week seven last week with Matt Moore under center. So I think this definitely helps Landry. The overall offense as a whole was m- much more effective in moving and in the red zone a lot more. For whatever reason, the Dolphins just cannot run the ball in the red zone. I don't know why, but they completely refuse to ever give Jay Ayaji a touch in the red zone, which is killing me, breaking my fantasy team's back, heart, everything. Um, but overall, they were in the red zone a lot more, which I consider a positive development for Jay Ajayi. you got to find whatever you can there. Uh, I think Jarvis Landry has helped. It, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Parker, who I think was one of the few guys playing better because of Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's always preferred those big body guys you can chuck to and let him go up and get it. And we're seeing a lot of garbage time, those two kind of connecting on those uh, you know, one-on-one 50-50 balls. So we'll see what that means moving forward. I was certainly in that train of Devontae Parker going into the season. Yep. Jay Cutler's going to be solid here. And, and he's looked way worse than I ever expected. So I, I think it's – and they're saying that Jay Cutler's still the guy when he's whenever he's back, and it's going to only be two to three weeks. They have a bye week coming up. Too. So we'll see how Matt Moore plays and if they actually let that happen. If Matt Moore goes out and has a ball out effort, I can't imagine they put Jay Cutler back under center. But I don't know if this is also the last we've seen of Cutler yet. Okay. Um, last but not least, also an interesting stat about the Dolphins. Um, sure. Their record, I'm going to get this wrong by probably like a game or something. Their record in like their last, I don't know, 18 games or something is like 15 and three. <laughs> Really? It's something crazy. Like I feel like didn't they didn't they like win out like eight in a row or something last year or something going into the playoffs? Some, something it crazy. Was, you're right. I mean, it could it be. Was, I'm probably wrong about the exact number, but it's something really high. It's something like probably better than like the Patriots record in that same period. No. Well, the Patriots have already dropped two games this year. I mean, I don't know. I guess so have the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are a four and two team. Right, I, I'd like Gase. I won't. I won't lie. I think Adam Gase is a, a legitimate coach. I, I do like him a lot. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about the Broncos. Um, what a what a man. There's a lot of teams we've been talking about that were good and then they weren't. I mean, two or three weeks ago, we probably both would have said the Broncos are a top five team in the NFL. Um, no way. I mean, they're they're terrible. Like their their defense is pretty good, and uh, their offense is absolutely the pits. It's just terrible. It's disgusting. Um, You can't, I mean, their running game is terrible, right? Yep. CJ Anderson blows. CJ, I mean, we've always known that he, well, Jacha's not, I'm, I'm surprised they don't, 
they're not playing Jacha more. I really am because it's like CJ Anderson blows. Jacha's averaging over five yards a carry even this year. Unless they're just like, okay, we're only going to play you 10 snaps a game or something. I'm surprised they're not trying to make something happen with him. And I, I know I'm a Jacha apologist, but like, wouldn't you consider doing that if you were running the Broncos? Yeah, at least see what the guy is made of and what he has. Absolutely. He's looked pretty decent on most of his touches this week. I am surprised with you. He only played like 20% of snaps this week. I actually cut him in a league. I, I couldn't stand it That anymore. was after uh, Vance Joseph went in the – like made a big point of being like he needs to get more and more touches like starting this week against the Chargers. Like, I mean, that was in the news this week, and it was mm-hmm. just a lie. So I don't know what to I don't know what to make of that. Um, yes. Trevor Simeon clearly not the answer at quarterback. Um, you know I, I feel like that's been disguised. He had a few good games to start the year. We've seen mm-hmm. that the guy can play a little bit. He's not a franchise guy. Paxton Lynch, by all accounts, is not ready even a little bit. So no. I don't. I mean, what do you think is going to happen with the Broncos, and how do you value their players like Demarius Thomas? You know, round two fantasy pick. High end wide receiver one, not anymore. What do you what do you value these guys at? Man, it is it's definitely a little bit frightening. I will say the only reason for some type of hope, at least for the immediate term, is they face Kansas City this week, Philadelphia the next week, and then New England the week after that. So for these next three weeks, they get the second most generous team, the sixth most generous team, and the fourth most generous team uh, to wide receivers. You got to imagine they can at least get some type of production to Demarius Thomas. Sanders is coming back this week. I think this is one of those situations I was originally like, oh, Sanders is out. It's going to be just target monster for Demarius Thomas. But the defenses were just so easy to take him out when you have Benny Fowler on the opposite side and A.J. Derby as the next most threatening guy. It's like, what are you not going to do? Put three on Demarius Thomas? So I think getting Sanders back will actually be much better for this offense as a whole. So if somebody's panicking and you're in a win-now mode, and you can get Demarius for like a running back three or something cheap, I would say it's worth tossing it in there because we saw his most heavy targeted game uh, two weeks ago against the Giants. And I think this was obviously a dud. I hate him. 1.9 this week sucked. But I'm holding out hope for these next three weeks. And if you can get him on the the real cheap, I I think it it makes sense to try to get Demarius right now because when Sanders gets back, I think the offense will be okay. I'm not saying good, but I think they're going to be okay. All right. Uh, we're going to close things out with the early week mailbag right after this. Hey, I'm the mailman. I'm the mailman. Yeah, the real one. All right, we are back. We're going to wrap things up with an early week, very brief mailbag. We got one trade question that we wanted to answer. And that is, of course, would you trade Kareem Hunt and Kirk Cousins for Julio Jones and Alvin Kamara? Um... No. <laughs> no. Of course I wouldn't. <laughs> like, would I, I, would I, I trade one of the like best three players in fantasy and a pretty good quarterback for a wide receiver who's very talented but has had one good game and, like, a good pass-catching back? No, right. of course I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so I look at the guy's roster, too. He sent me that because my initial reaction was just like you said, no. You're not giving up Kareem Hunt for anybody other than maybe Le'Veon Bell. Uh, or if there was a receiver like that Antonio would ever. Like Brown and somebody. Right, or, exactly. Or maybe like, something that safe you could consider. Mike Evans and, the kids and a said, really good back or something. 
Right, and this one goes out to Connor, too, and he sent me his roster. His receivers are pretty sketchy. Last week he was starting Calvin Benjamin and Ted Ginn. He has Devontae Parker, Deshaun Jackson on the bench. So, like, not horrendous, but certainly he's lacking that true, like, bonafide wide receiver one target. Ted Ginn had, like, 140 yards. Right, well, yeah, maybe Ginn's the new target hog wide receiver one. Uh, Most likely not, though. So when I look at that, it's like, okay, I can see your point of saying I don't have a true you know, wide receiver one, and I have – he has Le'Veon Bell and Kareem Hunt though. And it's one of those things where he's like, I want to move one of the workhorses to get a true wide receiver one and balance my team out a little bit. And it's just kind of like, why? You have the two most valuable players in fantasy in Le'Veon Bell and Kareem Hunt. Just ride that. It doesn't matter what receivers you're trotting out every week. You're clearly getting it done. He's 6-1 and one right now with those two running backs and the, the receiving core he's rolling out. If you can, like, you know, package up something like – and he's got pretty good depth at running back too. He's got Coleman. He's got James White. Um, you know, he's, he's got some options. Orleans Darkwa. It makes sense to me too, in the sense that he's like he's got Prescott and Kirk Cousins, so he's got good quarterback depth too. So he's really just giving up a bench player in Hunt to get two starters in Kamara and Julio. But I still, it's Cream Hunt. I think you're getting too cute. We've said this in all the trade questions that have involved Hunt this season. You're just kind of sticking your your middle finger up at the fantasy gods if you're going to get rid of the gift they gave you in Cream Hunt. I say ride those two workhorses. You'll figure out the receiver positions. You have enough depth to play the matchups. Stick with it. Don't trade for Julio, who's just going to aggravate his hip flexor and then piss you off when you see Cream full head of steam just blowing up teams the rest of the season. I mean, his floor is like 14 a week. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I I hear what you're saying as far as you're trading a bench player and Kareem Hunt for two starters. And that makes it sound more reasonable. But consider Mm -hmm. this. If either one of those two starters doesn't come through, then it's an absolute disaster. And, you know, Julio's come through in one game this year. Kamara, although I like him as a pass catching back and stuff, it's like on a given week, would I be shocked if Kamara didn't do something? No, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I just I think that your everything has to go right for it to look even close to remotely even. And if everything doesn't go just right, you've lost the trade badly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And that's not even taking into account the whole fantasy gods thing, which, of course, we're huge believers in. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Don't make that move. But thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks, Connor, for the question. Glad you uh, got it in so we could make sure to rip that to shreds and say never consider something that dumb ever again. With that said, we're going to wrap things up. Well, if you want to pump some of your social media action. Of course, of course. Roto Street Wolf to find me on Twitter and Snapchat. The Snapchat's been blowing up lately. It's been fantastic, experimenting with new little stories and different things. So check it out if you haven't already. Roto Street Wolf for Twitter and Snapchat. Our own uh, site pages, Roto Street Journal on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat for our main pages where we're breaking the news, publishing all the articles. You got to make sure you're following us everywhere so you don't miss that can't you know that one piece that's going to win you the week we publish out so much stuff these days we have such a great schedule that you really want to make sure you're tracking us on all those socials and never missing a beat because it's awesome where we're at right now as a site rotostreetjournal.com if you're just a podcast listener make sure you check out our home base too and see all the stuff we've got going on we're starting to expand to merchandise and all these exciting things really growing as a blog a site and even a business so it's thrilling i'm glad to have you guys these early listeners on right now and you can keep watching us grow as as we are follow us in all those spots great my name is nat the truth jones and i'm the wolf see you later guys later
We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs>